Welcome to another Solid Rock Church podcast by Bishop Larry Ragland, Senior Pastor of Solid Rock Church. For more information and content, please visit solidrockchurch.com. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and you have a blessed day. You ready for the word? Shout, I'm ready. All right, all right, all right, all right. Um, I, you know, one of my favorite songs is that song, A Strange Way to Save the World. It was first brought out, I think, in, probably in the early 90s. It was sung by a group called For Him. That's no longer uh, a group, but all the individual singers of it are leading worship at different churches. It's a powerful group. I love For Him. And it's just, I'll be honest with you, it's probably my favorite uh, non-traditional Christmas song. I love the Mary Did You Knows and I love all them, but I love A Strange Way to Save the World because it sums up what I've thought all my life. And that, and that is, this is just weird, God. Can I just be real with y'all? This, this is just a weird plan that you had. And how many times have we ever thought or said something like this? I got it. I get that you're God, but it just seems like if I, if I had a choice to come up with a plan, it wouldn't be quite as intricate as this plan, especially if I'm God and I can do anything I want to do. Have you ever just wanted to, you ever just asked God, God, why don't you just kill the devil? I mean, why do we got to deal with the devil? Why do I got to deal with demons? Why do I got to deal with sickness? Just kill the devil. Sickness is gone. Kill the devil. Well, I'm going to show you today. And I, I preface this by saying, hold off to your judgment with these words. He ain't killing the devil because he can't kill the devil. Okay, because there's only one thing that God cannot do. And that is he cannot go against his word. He will not violate what he has declared. How many knows? let every man be a liar, but let God be true. If God said something, it doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what it seems like it's ever going to be. It will happen if God said it's going to happen. Are you with me, church? Well, this was an intricate way. And you know what? I think as I think more and more and meditate on his plan that he chose, that he created, I realize that it is crazy and it is strange because if it wasn't crazy and strange and made no sense, then we would figure it out. And we are not intended and supposed to completely figure out the, the complete things of God. Our ways are not his ways. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. Because if you can ever f- truly figure out God, you will figure out in your mind that you don't need God. Am I preaching right this morning? Can I do a little teach preaching? How many is for a little bit of word this morning? Hey, how many likes Christmas music? Come on, if you don't like Christmas music, that's what these altars are for. You can get saved today. But, you know, the thing that's about Christmas that's, that's unusual about other times of the year is you have every year an artist that tries to debut a new Christmas song. And it may get a little bit of airplay, but I want to tell these artists, Unless you got a song like Mary Did You Know on a level like that, that's God's hands on it, you're going to get your song played on the radio stations that your record company's paying this year. It ain't going to be in the rotation for Christmas music next year. Because people don't want to listen 
to brand new Christmas songs at Christmas. Am I preaching right? Because you think about Christmas, you think about chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Yeah, yeah. Please do not redo it. If you sing it, just try to sing it like Nat King Cole. Don't be messing with the master. Okay, that's all I'm saying. Then you got your cute little things like that you teach your kids when they're young. Rudolph the red nose. Come on, let's sing. Had a very... Now, wait a minute. Why do you all know that's so good? Because all your life you've heard it. Right? Jingle bells. Jingle. Okay. All your life, right? Silent night. How many knows? Christmas would not be Christmas without the same songs coming back every year. Now, I'm not even going to attempt to sing that Mar Mariah Carey song. Okay? All I want for Christmas is you. Ain't that what she said? 20,000 times. There got to be some kind of under-the-table deal with that Mariah Carey song. It's in rotation twice an hour on every station. So I say all that to say this. At Christmas time, we should think about the stories in the Word of God throughout the year. But listen, man, don't beat yourself up, preachers, worried about, well, bless God, I don't just preach about the resurrection at Easter. I preach about the resurrection every Sunday. Good for you. But people expect you to preach about the resurrection. On Resurrection Sunday. You done heard the story. 99% of the people that's in the house. Knows that the Jesus that we're worshiping in this building. Lived a sinless life. Died on the cross. And three days later came back from the dead. But they want to hear it again. At Christmas time, we know the manger scene. We know there's no room in the inn. We know the census. We know uh, that, you know, the angel moved upon Mary and said, Behold, you will have a child, and his name will be Jesus, uh, and, and he will save people from their sins. And the, all the story of the shepherds in the field, we know that story. Our kids Next week, we'll do that story on this stage. It's precious. But it's more than a kid's drama. It's more than a nativity set sitting on your coffee table. It's more than a once-a-year remembrance of the plan of God. 1997, I think it was, I began to study getting close to Christmas time, and God began to show me some things that I'd never seen before in this story. And I wrote a little booklet called The War in Bethlehem. And to me, it was revolutionary to me because I had never heard anybody, and quite frankly, I'll be honest with you, I say this giving God the glory, I've never heard anybody preach it since. I've never seen a book say some of the things that's in that booklet, which leads me to believe that I probably need to turn it into a book, an actual book. But if you want to read that original thing that I wrote in 1997, it was the first thing I really ever wrote ever and published ever 
until from 1997 to when I wrote my book. You can just go to the war, thewarinbethlehem.com and you can read it for free. Thewarinbethlehem.com. But the story of Christmas is the story of the plan of God. It's the story of the fulfillment of the first ever prophetic utterance that God ever spoke over man after creation. The first thing that he said to man after the fall. I want you to get this, how powerful Christmas is. It is the thing that God said to man when man fell. When man fell and he went through the whole thing in the Garden of Eden when he said, who told you you were naked? You know the story, right? They ate of the fruit they weren't supposed to eat of the fruit. They realized they were naked. They hid themselves. And the Bible says God came down in the cool of the day to walk with man the way he always had. Man's hiding. Why are you hiding? We don't want you to see our nakedness. Well, who told you you were naked? He goes on to say, come out, I want to talk to you. So he makes clothes and he puts clothes on them. What did he put on them? The Bible said he took, he took a, an animal skin and made clothes himself and placed them on man and woman to cover what they thought was their shame. They walk out from behind the trees. He looks at them and he says, tell me what happened. Adam, tell me what happened. Adam says in the book of Genesis, he says, I'll tell you what happens, that woman you gave me. If you gave me that woman, we wouldn't be standing here, God. Me and you was good till you brought that woman. How many knows? Men are still trying that today. But how many knows when you sin, ain't nobody's fault but your own. Mm -hmm. I don't care who sinned first. You still sinned. Now I'm going to show you just a second how his sin might have been worse than her sin. Because the one thing a man is supposed to be is a protector of his woman. Are you hearing me? A man is supposed to be the provider and the, the stand gap, to stand in the gap between the devil and, and, and his woman. But I'm going to show you that the woman started trying to take, started, had felt compelled, quite frankly, to take the place of the man because the man wouldn't do it himself. The Bible says that the, he, he said, as a woman you gave me. Eve, all right, here's your chance. What happened? It was the serpent. If, wasn't, if you wouldn't have put that serpent in the garden, I'd have never ate it. Adam said, that's right. If she wouldn't have ate it, I wouldn't have. So what you're trying to tell me is it's nobody's fault. The devil made you do it. Well, the Bible says that when Eve took of the fruit and ate of it, she turned and gave it to her husband, and he did eat. She didn't take the apple back to their house and say, look what I ate today. Here's you. Here's you one. No, he was standing there the whole time behind her waiting to see if she would die. Did y'all get that? So he says to the man, you've already been working, but you ain't had to toil the land. The land is blessed, but because of what you have done, you will still work, 
but you will sweat and you will have to work that land and you have to make it as fertile as it is. I made it fertile for you before this point, but sin has cursed the ground and therefore you're going to have to till it, you're going to have to water it, you're going to have to fertilize it, and you're going to have to make happen in this world what I already made happen for you. That's your curse. Notice that the curse to man was a struggle put on top of something that was already going to happen. Work is not a sin, right? Contrary to what you see happening in our world right now, work is not a punishment and work is not a curse. Work has always been the plan of God. If you don't work, you have... You are worse than an infidel, is what the New Testament says, and departed from the faith. That don't mean if you're a stay-at-home mom and, and you're in a situation you don't have to work, but that's what you're talking about. I'm talking about the people that have an opportunity and a responsibility to provide for their family, and they just choose that they don't want to do it. They are worse than an infidel and departed from the faith. So the curse was not work. The curse was when you work the ground doing the job that you already do, you're going to have to do things you don't want to do that's going to be hard to do, but I'll still bring you the results if you do what you're supposed to do. But it ain't going to just come for you like it did before. Am I preaching good this morning? This is not the route I was going to go, but is this okay? I just want to talk to you this morning. Then he looks at the woman, and people think, and there are honestly people that think, and I can't understand why in the world they would even think it, and blows my mind that preachers, some preachers, uninformed, and have, dare I say, not uh, ignorant, but ignorant preachers who have not studied, will preach that, well, it's actually probably a good thing the curse happened, because if the curse didn't happen, there wouldn't have been no babies. There's going to be babies. God didn't build this whole earth and put man in one garden and not want him to populate the whole earth because he told him, be fruitful and replenish the earth. She was going to have babies. But ladies, here's why you need to be mad at Eve. Talk, take it up with her when you get up there. All them babies you've been having, you're still going to have them babies. Only difference is all that pain, all that misery, all that uncomfortableness that came with it, that wasn't supposed to happen. But sin brought that into it. So they, she's still going to have babies, but now she had to have babies by sweat, by force, by push, by pain, by uncomfortableness. You follow me? Then he looks at that stupid snake. And he said, and I don't know what kind of animal this was. Because whatever this was, he walked on feet. He didn't just slither like a snake. The first thing that God did to the serpent was he took his feet out from under him so that he could not walk upright in an, e in an even stance with man. So that man could easily identify him, listen to me, from all other creatures of the earth. Other than the little things like worms and all of that, even your salamanders and up, if they live on the earth, they got feet. Frogs, all of them. I'm talking about, not, I'm not saying 100%, but 99% of everything that lives up out of the water has some form of feet. 
except a snake. You ever thought about that? He can only move by slithering like a snake. No, no, no other creature looks like it and moves like it. Except maybe some form of worms and stuff. I've killed a few worms before thinking they were snakes. I ain't going to lie to you. Oh, I know there's good snakes. I don't want to have that discussion with you. But he says, I'm going to tell you something. You will crawl on your belly. And where you used to eat freely whatever you wanted to eat, you will eat of the dust of the ground. Only thing you're ever going to be able to eat is the things that get down to your level. Oh, you got snakes that can rear up. And they can lunge out. That ain't how they usually eat. The most powerful snakes in the world, they eat at ground level. Can I tell you something? This ain't a Christmas sermon yet. It's going to be just a few seconds. While you come about the devil made you do it, the devil made you do it, the devil made you do it, the devil made you do it. Let me tell you, the only way the devil made you do it is you had to make some choices to get down to the level of the devil. Because the devil don't have the right to get up to your level. The gateways to who I am are on my head, my eyes and my ears. My eyes and my ears ain't down there unless I get down there where the devil is. That's the only way he can really talk to me. I'm going to show you that in just a second. Then he says something powerful to him. He says, let me tell you one more thing to you. These others, to man, to woman, to birth, to the land, that's, that's a curse, yes, but not nothing like what I'm about to say to you. What I'm about to say to you is not an addition to what was already going to happen. I'm going to speak to you right now your destruction. Your end of the influence that you think you're going to have. You think you won the battle at that tree. I'm going to show you that I knew what you were going to do long before you ever even knew what you were going to do. Because let me tell you something about the devil. He's smart, but he is not all-knowing. I'm going to tell you something. He is not omnipresent. He's not everywhere at one time. That's only God. He's not omniscient. He's not all-knowing. That's only God. He's not omnipotent, all-powerful, omnipotent, omnipotent, all-powerful. That is only God. He thought he could rise against God, and it blows my mind that somehow he was so powerful in the kingdom as Lucifer, the leader of praise and worship, that he led a third of the angels to fall with him who are now the demonic spirits that we deal with. He said, let me tell you something. I'm not going to kill you. I can't kill you. Why? Why? Because it is the law of God. Here's why I was going to tell you this while ago. It is the law of God that was established that anything that is spiritual is eternal. Once something is created and spoken to exist in the, in the spirit realm, it's eternal. Angels are eternal. Angels have been living for decibillions of years, and they will never die. Demons have been living for decibillions of years. They will never die. From the time that Lucifer was created as an angel, he will never die. But 
they will be placed in an also permanent place that will never die, the lake of fire. They will be tormented for all eternity because eternity is forever. The Bible says in John 3, 16, if you, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth him should not perish, but everlasting life. Right? Everlasting life. Galatians says this, if you sow to the flesh, you shall of the flesh reap corruption. You sow to the spirit, you shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. So the reality is this, whether you are saved or whether you are a sinner, when your body dies, your body will decay. But whether you are saved or lost, your spirit is eternal. It's going to live for eternity in heaven or eternity in a place that nobody wants to talk about called hell. Are you hearing me? So, he looks at the serpent. He says, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to crawl. You're going to be a snake now. And by the way, the Bible says we were created from dust. Our flesh from the dust of the earth. And man was not alive until God breathed his spirit into us and the man became a living soul. See, the reality is this, is in the spirit realm, in the flesh realm, the flesh snake eats of the natural things on the ground, but in the spirit realm, the devil only eats of the flesh of man. This is his food. When you give into the flesh, you feed the serpent because he eats the flesh. Are y'all hearing me? And he says to the devil, but there's one more thing you need to know. You need to understand. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Oh, I love it's part of the story. He says, you need to understand. You have not caught me by surprise. Nothing that you have just done, I didn't see coming. Before this place even existed, I already had this plan in motion. The Bible says Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. I've always loved that. And I, and, I, and, I, and I love how people will quickly say he's the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. It's not what it says. It says from the foundation of the world. That means that the moment that the foundations of the world were spoken into existence, not even let there be light in Genesis 1. When the earth was spoken into existence, when the foundation of the planet and the solar system, before anything was ever created, at the moment it came out of the mouth of God, let there be the proclamation from the word that became flesh, which is the second part of the Trinity. New Testament says there's three that bear record in heaven, one the Father, one the second the word, and then the Holy Spirit. Before Christmas, the Trinity was known as the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. Now it's known as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit because Jesus, the Word, became flesh and dwelt among us. Same Spirit, same part of the Trinity, just got flesh on, on that Spirit now. Am I preaching good? Watch this. So, what was I saying? It was powerful. What was I talking about? From the foundation of the world. Thank you. I love it when people actually are paying attention. From the foundation of the world, when the word came out of his mouth, let there be the word said, I will die. 
I'll do it. I'll become one of them and I'll die for them. Because God in his infinite wisdom knew nothing that is ever made by me can ever be me. It can only be made by me. Because if it ever becomes me, they don't need me. What, is I, what I mean by that? They, he knew when he made angels they were not going to be perfect. He knew they had the propensity to fall. Because they're not God. Am I preaching right? So he knew, I don't care how perfect my creation is. They cannot stay perfect. On their own. They're going to need me involved. But here's the wild thing. There had been no involvement with God and man before on that level. There had been involvement with God and angels, but only in a statement where angels were just created to worship and carry out orders. It was a revolutionary creation. God, for the first time, created something in his image and in his likeness. And then, I know my media team back there is like, when are you going to get to all this stuff? Just flow with me. They're good. He said, I'm going to put, he said this to the Satan, to Satan. I'm going to put, King James, enmity between you and man. Now, that, that word enmity means a, a, a block, a standard. A wall, a stopgap. In all your power, you're going to think you're so powerful and you're so wonderful. I will put an enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Well, the devil's not all knowing, right? The devil thought the whole plan of God, get this in your spirit, was summed up in a tree. He sold out the long game to getting those that were created in the image of God to eat a piece of fruit. And he literally was so stupid to think, if I can do this, I won. Because when he looked around, all he saw was all of this majesty, this garden that God personally planted and cultivated himself and set his first initial creation in his image and his likeness looked just like God, clothed in the same glory as God. God was coming down and walking with this, something different that he'd ever done with anything he'd ever made. He said, man, if I could get them to break the vow, I would. He had no idea. He had no idea. That was all part of the plan. God had to make man first in order for him to become a man. He couldn't be the first man and then make man from himself. Because man would never believe they could ever do what the first man did. Are y'all getting this? This is Christmas, y'all. This is what Christmas is. Put that scripture back up there. 
Genesis 1.26. It says, when I put this enmity between you and the woman, here's the enmity. It's a seed. I can't read that. There we go. There we go. I'm sorry, I said Genesis 1.26. I told you the wrong scripture. The seed. I'm talking, put, put the one back where he's, he says, I'll put enmity between you. Put that back up there. Because I, I want everybody to see that. Thank you. I want to put enmity, that blockage between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. How many know? Look at the difference between your seed and her seed. What's the, two, what's the difference between the two seeds? One of them's a little s, one of them's a capital s, right? Same word. Even in that, he was trying to say, he knows the devil has seed to sow. But the devil's seed will never, ever, ever be on the level of the seed of God. Because the capital S, you don't, you don't capitalize seed unless it's a name. That word seed represented at that moment of that proclamation, the baby Jesus. And he said, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to think that if you could stop the seed... That's all you got to do. If you can kill the baby, that's all you got to do. But I got news for you. There ain't no way I'm going to tell you he's coming unless you kill him. Second of all, because he wasn't talking about let him come and let him kill him. He's talking about himself. I ain't coming down there and let you kill me. Because that's God talking to him. Because the seed is God. Put it back. Put it back. I'm sorry. My fault. Put it back. When he puts that seed, what's what he say? Here's the, here's, the, here's the rest of the story. You don't even get it yet. You don't even know what this means yet. But you will know. You're going to bruise his heel. Why does he say that? Because remember where he's going to be? At the ground. And what he didn't realize, got to get this, but God knew. I don't care what kind of snake you are. I don't care how high you can jump. What you don't realize is his feet at that moment is going to be higher than anybody's head. Don't take that down yet. Y'all ain't got it. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. See, the devil thought the plan of God was wrapped up in a tree. He was right, but he got the wrong tree. <laughs> Woo! He got the wrong tree, y'all. He didn't understand. There'd be another piece of wood taken from a tree, nailed together in the form of a cross. And the son of the living God who lived a sinless life. The seed of the woman who didn't give in to the temptations of the devil would be nailed on that cross, raised up high. And Satan, one last time, is going to try to lunge out as high as he can get. He just, he feels so good about himself because he latches those teeth right into the hill. I got him. I got him. Woo! Right around the time, right around the place, that heel, that soft spot in the foot, 
between that heel bone where the ligaments is. Also right around the spot where a nail had just been driven. Oh, it looked bad. It looked like the poison was working. Because the Bible said at that point when he was high and lifted up, you got to get this. He was completely naked. He didn't have a loincloth on. They did that to shame him. Completely naked, a man. So beaten by the cat of nine tails that he had just endured at the flogging pole of the Romans. That his rib cage was all in the front and the back were already exposed. His organs were falling out of his body. He had a crown of thorns, of thorns that long shoved through the soft spots of his head and into his brain. The physical side of the Son of God's brain was beginning to, to die, to process. He probably, most experts say, he probably went completely blind in the natural. We don't know. Not because he was sick, but because he was in a body. And that body was reacting the way a body reacts. The way they would crucify him, they would crucify him like this. They would drive the nails through. They wouldn't crucify him like this. They would crucify him like this for the purpose because they knew that when you stopped, started struggling to breathe, you would have, your, your, your diaphragm is compressed. The only way you could get some more air is you had to Try to push yourself up, which would create intense pain right around the heel. Every time he would push up and try to breathe, the snake. <laughs> I got you. I see you fading. I can see it in your eyes. I see you. and for all. Mama. Mama. I gotta go. Thank you for taking care of me, Mama. But I gotta make all things new. John, thank you for being here when all my other disciples have gone. Thank you for staying with my mama. Will you please take care of my mama? You're her son now. Johnny, she's your mama now. The rest of your life, your mama and son. I gotta know my mama's taken care of. You do it, John. All this from the cross. I'll do it, Master. Hey! While you're taking care of people. I can see you really are who they say you are. Wherever it is, whatever it means, will you take me to paradise with you today? This day you will be with me in paradise. Takes care of his mom.
takes care of a thief. When he's taking care of everything else, for the first time really in Jesus' life, he thought about himself. He goes, man, if I could just have something to drink, I'm thirsty. They mocked him again, stuck a sponge down in vinegar, stuck us to his mouth and said, drink this. <laughs> Spit it out. Stop fighting it. Just close your eyes and your pain will be gone. Oh, mighty God, you thought you were so big and bad. When you come down this world where we live, you found out real quick who's in charge down here, didn't you? Oh, I told you upon that mountain. I told you upon that mountain. I'd give you all these kingdoms because they're mine. I took them in the garden, and you know it. I rightfully have the deed to them. You didn't rebuke me. You didn't stop me when you was facing me up on that high place. You, you just kept telling me. You just kept quoting that word. That's all you ever wanted to do is quote that word. But you didn't dispute what I said. These kingdoms are mine, and you know it. So it's time for you to get out of my world. Eloi, Eloi, Lama Sebastiani. What? What do you say? People all around the soldiers, people from everywhere, because there's all its senses. People spoke every language trying to figure out what that language. They knew what Eloi meant. It meant God. It was holy God, holy God. Elohim, Eloi, Eloi is the word Elohim, God. But Lama Sebastiani was, was no known language. No one understood it. Somebody said, he's calling on John the Baptist. He's calling on Isaiah. He must be calling on one of the prophets. What is he saying? Listen, the Bible says that when it comes to man in the, in the book of Romans, sometimes our flesh and our minds will not know what they're praying, but our spirits can be found praying for us in things that cannot be understood. I want you to know something. Jesus was on the cross, but his spirit was within him. He is the spirit are y'all hearing me and the spirit man the flesh the brain begin to shut down the brain couldn't even form the words but when your brain can't form the words your spirit man can form the words and he cried out to God in this moment God I know what we had planned but it feels like I'm alone and the Bible says he took one more breath he died. You shall bruise his heel. Let me tell you what that means. The Bible says, and these are not all my notes, I'm just flowing the Holy Spirit today. The Bible says, I wouldn't tell you if the Bible says it, but the Bible will say it. The Bible says, He that knew no sin became sin. The poison of the serpent was sin. For the wages of sin is death. And at that moment, after never committing a single sin in his 33 years and a half in existence, he allowed himself to not sin, but ingest and become sin. He took 
everyone's sin. I'm telling you, the beating at the flogging pole, the nails, the gasping for breath, nothing compared to what it felt for Jesus when he took the sin at that moment. And it was the plan of God to let it be the last thing because if it would not have been the last thing, he might not have made it to the last thing. It had to get to the point where the body was done and the Spirit said, do it. And as that poison moved from that hill and through the body of Jesus, something happened to this world. The earth began to shake. Creation was able to identify what was happening. Earthquakes. The sky went black. Storm, the Bible says the sun was completely blacked out. In the middle of the afternoon, it went pitch black dark. No one could see their hand in front of their face. At the temple where everyone was gathered at Passover, and they're down there taking blood and taking, taking lambs and slaying lambs. It's just like in this room of all the lights turned out. Candles blew out. Wind blew in. Everything went dark. They heard a rumbling. Heard people screaming. Something being ripped. Somebody lights a candle real quick said, what just happened? And they look up and they see with their own eyes the giant veil that stood between God and man just begins to rip hallelujah from the top of that veil all the way down like a piece of paper and all of a sudden a sight that no man had ever seen except the high priest the Levit even the Levitical priesthood had never seen it they're standing there and all of a sudden they see the holy of holies they see the high priest covered in blood never been seen by natural or man made light before he don't know what's happening nobody else knows what happened but God knew what was happening the oh, Oh my God, it was the fulfillment of that verse right there. My God, the sin that came in him was the, was the very thing that crushed the devil's head. You think you won when you bit me? What you didn't realize is you ultimately gave me back the authority that I gave to man so I could give it back to him again. Somebody shout praise the Lord. Here, here's Jesus not rebuking the devil. When the devil says, all these kingdoms I'll give to you if you bow down and worship me this day. And then he comes back from the dead after the resurrection. Starts showing himself to all the people. Then he starts saying things like this. And only then, all power in heaven and in earth. He said, I gave you all that dominion. Put Genesis 126 up there. That's going to be my last scripture. God messed this whole thing up today, but I think it was pretty good. Genesis 126. My favorite scripture in all of the Bible. Why? Why would you choose this instead of a Psalms or a Proverbs or, or, or some kind of, you know, I know the ways of the Lord type of thing. Scripture. I love them all. This is mine. Because here's why, why this is my favorite verse in the Bible. Every single promise of God is built on this right here. And let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God said, I give it all to you. Every decision that is made, 
Every policy, every king that is elected, every president that is elected, every, every decision you make for your home, who you choose to marry, what job you have, who, watch this, who you worship, who you serve. I give all of that decision-making power to you. I don't want you to be a pawn of me. I want you to choose me. He gave us the greatest dominion that he gave, greater than the fish and the birds of the air and all that, was the dominion to choose our eternity. So God was not going to break the greatest proclamation he ever made over his creation. The greatest empowerment he gave us was, if you want to eat from that tree, you can but I'm telling you, I don't want you to. I'm telling you what's going to happen if you do. But you know what? He didn't stop them, did he? He knew what was going to happen. He didn't stop them. He told us his will. He told them his will, and he said, now what are you going to do with it? Here's the good thing about God. It's the awesome thing about God. Even when we don't do what he told us to do, he doesn't stop loving us. He doesn't stop coming down to find us. He doesn't stop giving us opportunities for repentance. Because that's all that was. Don't you know that God saw it all happen? Don't you know God knew exactly where Adam was when he came down and started? Where are you at, Adam? Let me tell you what that was. That was the first ever altar call. Where are you at, Adam? These altars are open. Time for confession. Where are you at, Adam? I feel like the Lord wants to say that to you. Where are you at? Why are you hiding? Why do you keep hiding from pain? Why do you keep hiding behind the past? Why do you keep hiding behind what somebody did to you? Let me, let me help some people too. I'm speaking to myself, speaking to my family. We can't hide behind pain, physical pain, emotional pain. We, we still got to praise God. I watched my wife hurt and suffer in her body. I've hurt and suffered in my body. You know what? You can't lay down. And you cannot hide behind, well, God, if you were so good, then why am I hurting? You're so good, why am I struggling walking? No, he's still good, even if you're struggling walking. Right? He's still good. It's your choice. It's your church choice to serve him. Your, your, your choice to serve and your choice to worship cannot ever be tied to things happening that you need to happen in order for you to worship him. That's not worship. That's a response to the goodness of God. Worship comes from inside of you. The Bible said, the, let me tell you the main reason David's known as a worshiper. Because the Bible said David worshiped, worshiped the Lord with all his might. He didn't wait on God to move him. He didn't wait on him, God to allow him to feel his presence. No, he got up every day determined with all my might, no matter what I did, no matter what I'm doing, no matter what's been done to me, I'm going to worship God. I'm right, preaching good this morning. So let me tell you something. Let me sum it up with a Christmas bow. That's why it's called the war in Bethlehem. Because when that baby, think about, think about, because he knew that promise. He knew the seed. He tried to kill every prophet that ever came. You go, look how many prophets were killed, searched out to be killed throughout the scriptures. Because every time a prophetic voice would come up in the Old Testament, the devil's not all-knowing, so he would think that must be him. So every time God's people had a, had a messenger and a word, that must be him. 
That's why Jesus said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I'll have wept for thee how you have killed the prophets over and over again because you thought every one of the prophets were the Messiah because I didn't tell you the whole story. Ain't you glad that God didn't tell the devil the whole story? So he finally figures out when he starts seeing this star moving. I ain't seen this before. I'm, getting, I'm, I'm hearing from my demons. There's people following that star to get a Messiah. Okay, this must be the one. Let me trace this lineage. Let me trace this lineage. Oh, there's, just, there's a rumor. How many knows? Let me, let, me, let me back up. Remember the angel? I know it's 1204. i got to hurry. Remember the story when the angel came to Mary and told Mary she's pregnant? She'd never been touched by man, right? How many of those angels live in the, in the spirit realm? Let me ask you a question. Don't you think the devil heard that angel say that? So the moment the devil, who's in the spirit realm too, heard that angel proclaim, it's like, I finally got him. But I, can't, I don't have the authority to go inside her and kill the seed. Because God put that inside her. But what I do have the authority to do, thanks to Adam and Eve, is I can try to kill her. If I can kill her, oh, wait a minute, you mean that's a baby? That's a life inside her belly? Oh. So it's a life inside the belly at Christmas, but it's not a life inside the belly after Christmas? I'm going to tell you right now, if Mary was to salt the advice of some Christians in her day, They'd have probably told her, listen, you know what's going to happen. People are going to start talking about you having a baby out of wedlock. You just need to go ahead and end this pregnancy. How many thank God they didn't have that available then? The devil said, okay, I'm going to kill her. How can I kill her? I can't just murder her. Man, she's special. God's probably got angels standing all around her. I know what I'll do. I'll move upon evil men to make her at nine months pregnant have to travel days and days journey in the cold weather and between there and there she'll either miscarry have that baby lose that baby or she'll die and if she dies the baby will die now watch this but she had a man that loved her even though that seed didn't belong to him the angel had talked to him too and said listen you got to do this because this this is a big deal this is more than your than your wife this is bigger than even what you think about being a daddy here on this earth i'm going to tell you something this is the savior of the world Thank God for Joseph. He caught it. He protected her and took her all the way there. And the story in the war in Bethlehem tells you this. That while they're trying to find a place to sleep in a manger, because there's no room in the inn, angels are watching over their flock by night. Excuse me, shepherds watching over their flocks by night. And as the shepherds were, angels appeared to them. And those angels said, fear not. For we bring good tidings of great joy. For unto you this day in the city of David, a Savior has been born. Get up, and I'll show you where to go, and you'll find that baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill towards me. The thing that changed everything for me when I was
was studying that in 1997. I don't know why I did it, because I didn't have a computer to click on back then. It was the old-fashioned way. I just said, I'm going to look at the original Greek of every single word in this passage. He said, and suddenly there appeared a host of heavenly angels singing. And all the other words were just sort of similar definitions of the King James Version. But when I looked up that word host, I was blown away. The word host was a military word. And it meant a battalion of soldiers. Warring angels became a choir. Angels who had been standing guard over that baby, fighting. And they only laid the sword down briefly to praise God. And they heard that baby cry. And while Mary and Joseph is wiping the blood off of the seed of the woman. Angels. Get this picture. You'll never look at Christmas the same way. Angels. Beat up and bruised from fighting demons. Because of who he was. All of the demons of hell bowed as well. Satan bowed as well at that moment. Silence. One sound. The king of kings. I know it sounded like a dying horse or something. He didn't sound like a crow. Picture a cute baby voice. Christmas. Christmas is everything. There is no death without the birth. There is no healing by his stripes without the birth. Christmas is everything. I know ultimately it's the resurrection. But you can't have a resurrection without a birth. The devil would have succeeded in stopping the seed. He would have stopped the resurrection. Don't you let them take this from us. Are you hearing me? Don't you let them take the meaning of Christmas from us. Get up on your feet right now. Say, thank God for Christmas. Thank God for the birth of our Savior. Thank God for Jesus. Say it loud. Thank God. He chose to come and live and be born and be tempted just like us hallelujah oh I know what whatever his name is Billy Bob or whatever in that movie about Talladega pray to the sweet baby Jesus and it's a funny little line we don't pray to the baby Jesus we pray to Jesus but we as Christians 
understand the magnitude of that manger. When you're setting up those little nativity scenes every year, we got like a thousand in our house. Everywhere you turn, there's a nativity scene. But I don't mind. Because I'm going to tell you, it never fails without, every year we set them up. At some point, I walk by one of them. I'm by myself. And it pauses me. And I look at it. And I say these words. I won't forget. I look at Joseph. And I say, I won't let them forget you. And your part. And I look at the wise men and I'll say, you weren't there. You're coming in about two more years, but it's okay. thank you for this special time of the year I know that he wasn't born Jesus you were not born in December most, most people believe that but you know what Lord I'm thankful that we celebrated the last week of a year every year I'm thankful that it got placed on our calendar to cause us to reflect as we get ready to begin another year every year every year the, the story ends with reminding us of how it began our year ends reminding us of how our salvation began so Lord move upon us as families to make sure that our children and the generations to come will never lose the awe and the wonder of the incredible story of the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.